edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And like I've told you before, this is a show that's all about trying to give you some extra information so that you can navigate this space, what's called cannabis, and be educated enough to know what you're looking for when you go into a dispensary and be educated enough to know what you're talking about when you actually discuss it. And today we have an opportunity to talk to a person who's really embodies that idea of educating people on cannabis. She's the executive director of CARE, a nonprofit organization dedicated to cannabis awareness, rallies, and events. And she's also the executive producer of the State of Cannabis Conference. She became personally involved and a personal advocate when she herself suffered an injury that was a severe head injury and spine injury, and since then has understood the benefits of cannabinoids and cannabis as a, not just a way of life, but a way of healing. So please, I'm so happy today to have Susan Soros on the show. Thank you so much for being here, Susan. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's back up and tell your story a little bit because I kind of just glossed over it. But what I find so interesting about you is that you grew up in the Mormon faith. Yes, I did. A faith that is really in some ways known as the antithesis of the person who is a cannabis user. And had your own views steeped in religion about cannabis, but it took that life-changing event to turn you around. And let's talk a little bit about that. What was that life-changing event? Well, I literally had the sense knocked into my head. Uh I was uh, a leader in the church, and I was young women's president. And we were playing, uh, the the teenagers, uh, we were playing broom hockey in the gym, Mm -hmm. and I was getting ready to score my third goal. And so this kid tripped me, and I slammed into the cinder block wall with my head, Uh knocked me unconscious broke my eardrum. I woke up to all these kids standing over me and somebody said, is she dead? Mm. And uh, got a migraine headache that did not go away for two years. And what did they diagnose you with when this happened? So. They they couldn't tell me what was wrong. They, um, you, you know, I went to Scripps Clinic. I went to chiropractors. I went. I, but clearly it was a traumatic brain injury, probably it was probably, mild to moderate. A concussion, a concussion, probably. yeah, or a little bit bigger than a concussion, yeah, yeah. Especially if you pop, pop your blood, your your uh, eardrum, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so so you go two years with a splitting migraine headache. Yes, without a minute of relief for now, two years. Clearly, again, in the Mormon religion, you were seeing doctors. Yes. Okay, and the doctors were prescribing what over the counter? Vicodin. Oh, there we go. Let's let's take a trip down the synthetic opioid path. Handfuls, so handfuls, of, handfuls of Vicodin. Did you get any relief from that? No, I think I believe now that I was having a Vicodin hangover on top of my migraine. Wow! And this lasted for two years. Two years. So you're in Utah. How the devil do you get someone to suggest to you the cannabis? Oh no, I wasn't in Utah. Okay, you were okay. I was in San Clemente. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then, but you're still. A practicing Mormon. Oh, yeah. I was a leader in the church. So how did you get introduced to someone or how did someone come up to you and say, you know, I think this cannabis stuff might work for you? How did you find out about it? My next door neighbor had a garden and I had I was a a single mom at the time and I loved to garden. Uh, so I helped her with her garden and she had a cannabis plant growing and she said, you know, this might actually help you. And I thought, wow. So I'm at my wits end. I was going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, 
I couldn't take the pain anymore, but I had to be there for my children. And I knew that if I tried it and it worked, I would lose my community because that's all I had. You're, I wasn't friends with anyone other than Mormons. But I'm sure when she said, well, I think this stuff I'm growing right here might help you, you went, ah, no, <laughs> not me. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. No, I no? was desperate. I was like, if I didn't have my children, I would have ended my life. I was in that much pain. Okay. Two years with not one minute of relief. I was over it. Got it. So the opportunity for even temporary relief or momentary relief yeah. was enough to say, all right, let me try it. So you tried it the first time. Mm -hmm. and how did you try it the first time? Did you eat it? Did you smoke it? What did you do? I put it in a pipe and smoked it. Okay. Yeah. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. You put yeah. it in the pipe and smoke it. Yeah. And immediate relief or what happened? Um, Not... Not like it was gone, but it just was more distant in the background than it ever had been. More manageable. Yeah. And then um, after six weeks, it was gone completely, wow. never to return. Wow. Yeah. And that's what puts you on the path of being an advocate. Yes. Really? Yes. So now again, but this is back, how long ago was this? This was right before Prop 215. Okay. And I didn't even know about Prop 215. I had no idea. I thought I was doing something really, really illegal, but necessary. Right. And so this was just 15 years ago. Yeah. Close, close no, 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 no. 27. 20, 27. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Time flies. Yeah. And 27 years ago. So now in the course of that last 27 years, you've become an extreme vocal advocate. I say extreme vocal advocate, but you've been out there, you know, literally leading the marches and out there trying your best to extol the virtues of cannabis, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I just, I, I, my mind was so changed over this experience. I called the cops on some teenage kids one time because they were smoking out of a pipe. And I, I called the cops and I said, these kids are doing drugs, come and arrest them. <sighs> and they said, is it pot or crack? And I said, I don't know, it's drugs. <laughs> and you know, that's, I went from that to having it save my life. And I just couldn't sit still and let other people think the way I thought. Right. So you started the process. Now, in, in, in starting your process of advocating, you had to go somewhere to get educated. How did you educate yourself? Um, well, for my first education was, uh, was through growing because I, I had a friend that had a lab and I just didn't feel like anything was safe enough to really be medicine out there. Mm -hmm. So I started growing and going online to learn how to grow because there wasn't really any other way to learn. Mm -hmm. And then I found out about Normal and Americans for Safe Access and mm -hmm. all of those organizations. And so I, I spent lots and lots of time, 30 hours a, a week for five or six years uh, volunteering for all of those organizations. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, uh, after that, that five years of advocating was also five years of tutorial, right? I mean, Correct. you literally got to learn a lot. Got more. to learn a lot. Worked a little bit on Prop 19. Uh, worked on... And Prop 19 was a California proposition for full repeal? It was, was It was Richard Lee, uh, two years before Colorado legalized mm -hmm. Richard Lee's initiative. And the farmers were really against it. And so the industry squashed it. 
so he wasn't able to raise, I mean, he put a million, over a million dollars of his own money into it. And they were trying to go, not recreational, but full legalization. Is that what it was? was, that, was it was recreational, yeah. Recreational, okay, mm -hmm. got it, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I wonder where we would be today if that would have passed. Yeah, I wonder, because, I mean, again, California right now is is in a municipality nightmare. Yeah. When it comes to cannabis. I mean, every, every municipality in the state has their own rules, regulations, ideas of packaging, the way it should be sold, the way it shouldn't be sold, the way it should be used, whether or not you use it in a restaurant or not. It is a little bit on the crazy it's side. It's a here. pot mess. Yeah. yeah. yeah California, and I, I can say that now, but I can't say it at my conference because we're going to try and be really positive. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a mess. I, you know, the local elected officials are the bottleneck in, in the rollout of the regulated industry. Mm -hmm. Over two-thirds of our local governments have bans on commercial cannabis activity. Right. How does that work? Yeah, how does that work? It doesn't. And a third of them don't. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, well, look, so tell me a little bit about the CARE organization. So after uh, volunteering for all of those organizations, I didn't really find a place where I felt like my talents were being utilized. So I thought, hmm, I wonder... If I could just start my own nonprofit organization and I filled out the forms and they gave me a 501c3 status, I did never expect to get it because mm -hmm. the name of my organization has the word cannabis in it. Uh, but I did get it and I just set out to do what I can do personally, which is I'm really good at uh, organizing and mm -hmm. throwing events. And so uh, CARE's mission is just simply to help people uh, to create awareness of the benefits of the cannabis plant. Mm -hmm. And I do that by, um, I have a, an event during the second weekend of Coachella. It's okay. called the Green Oasis. I've done it for the last five years. And um, the reason, um, what I do is I gift the artists. I get a, a big estate and I invite all the artists that are performing Mm -hmm. to come over and get bags full of cannabis gotcha. and get cannabis education. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they, you know, they have millions of fans. Sure. So they mm -hmm. can help, they can help spread the word. Right, right, right. As a matter of fact, you're prepping for your conference now, are you not? Yes, I am. When is it going to be? We've got to throw out the information so people know that. Not only do you invite artists over, but do you also let the public come to this event? Oh, th there's two separate events. Okay. That's Green Oasis. What's coming up right now is the State of Cannabis. Mm -hmm. It's a conference. It's a two-day conference. And it's, I bring together elected officials, okay. uh, industry leaders, and regulators with high-level panels and Q&A uh, because, and, and, um, you know, getting the elected officials that are regulating in really smart and mm -hmm. sustainable ways mm -hmm. together with uh, local elected officials that don't understand it and are afraid of it. And we get them all in the same place and we talk about it and hopefully influence uh, local governments to open up because... When is that going to take place? Go ahead and give you the information right now. It's so, November 15th and 16th in Long Beach. November 15th, 16th, where in Long Beach? It's at the Loft on Pine. Okay, Loft on Pine. If everybody wants the information, they can go up on what website to find out? Stateofcannabis.org. Okay, and you can get all the information about that. And is, okay. is it by, you have to make a reservation? Do you have to, is it, do you have to buy a ticket? What do you have to do? Well, right now, uh, the industry 
piece, uh, that's all sold out. Um, but I have room for another 50 elected officials. So I'm looking for elected officials to show up because like we were saying, you know, the state of California, two thirds of the local governments have bans on commercial cannabis activity. Mm. And until they're in the same room with other uh, local officials that are doing it right, they're going to they're going to keep those bans and, and the regulated industry might not work. Right. It's having a rough time right now. Absolutely. I don't know what's going to happen. It is It is a little strange, especially when and again, the regulated industry has so many different rules and regulations. Right. So each municipality is able to set their own rules. Right. Which makes it almost impossible for anybody to literally navigate across, you know, municipality lines, let alone state lines. You can't do that, but municipality lines. Okay, so, and, and so... It, in not only trying to educate those elected officials, but you want more of the community to show up also because they can become advocates to help vote in an elected official or not, right? Do you have open forums for the public? Um, not at this event, mm -hmm. but that's a very good idea. I need to do that. Yeah, because I, mean, I think, well, you know, sometimes elected officials don't budge unless they have an idea that their constituency is interested. And so, you know, if you put them in a position where, they recognize and can see right there in their own eyes, you know, a couple hundred people show up. That, they should well, know that. Right. Well, they should, they should know Pot that. is popular. Should, you, know, yeah. you know what's crazy? Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, Manhattan Beach had bans. They've had bans since Prop 215 passed. Mm. The local residents love cannabis. Right. You know, they're not listening to their constituents. How is this possible? But are the local residents speaking out? When you say they love cannabis, that's what they do in the privacy of their own home. Yeah. But are they speaking out? You know, uh -huh. a lot of a lot of people can claim, you know, I, I I hate Donald Trump, but you won't get them to say it in the microphone. Well, I I spoke out in Redondo Beach, and and it got me arrested. Oh, there you so, go. Well, there you go. So <laughs> you know they don't want to hear about it, right? They don't want to hear about it. Uh, this is interesting. Two of the officers, uh, the arresting officers' names, Carl Borg and Snakenberg. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But the good news is uh, for the conference, I have uh, one city council member from uh, Hermosa Beach and one from Manhattan Beach have registered. So I'm really excited about that. That's exciting. That is exciting. Give yeah. an opportunity to be in with other and amongst others who are supporters. Yes. So they may not only just change their mind, but they may at least get educated enough to understand that it's not what they think it is. And that's part of this whole stigma right now. Why do you think... Why do you think even now today, this is almost 2020 and we still have a stigma about cannabis? Why do you think? Um, I don't know. I, I, in California, I think that it's changed. I think the elected officials are the few that still believe in that stigma. But I think that Barney's coming online with their shop, uh, the high end. I think that really helped. I think all these luxury cannabis items that are entering the market uh, is really helping with the stigma. So um, mm -hmm. I think I think we're kind of getting there. And, um, you know, that's that that's that's something that I say to people when I'm trying to get them to understand why it's important for for them to have my book. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, we 
legalized cannabis. We need to start talking to our children about it because it's legal now and we're still hiding our use from our kids. And, you know, there we you go. We think we are. I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to talk about your book next. But, you know, you've been called in some in some corners like a propagandist where you're literally trying to spread propaganda to children. That's what some people would say. Yeah. You know, and the fact that you wrote a book. Talk about your book for a second. You wrote a book, which is really a children's book that's called What's Growing in Grandma's Garden? Oops, I brought one for you. Oh, okay. Yay. Here we go. And your book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and we'll hold it up here for people at home to take a peek at. But, you know, this book, you know, there are some who say, ah, we're talking to children about cannabis. Why did you think about it or why did you decide to write this book? Well, I was on uh, the Woody show a couple of years ago, and he asked me how I talked to my kids about cannabis, and I said I didn't. Uh, it was a different time back then, mm -hmm. but it still bothered me that I didn't have a good answer. So I spent a year interviewing people uh, about how they talked to their children about cannabis, and the bottom line was that they weren't, especially people in the industry. Right. And I kept saying, hey, you know, it, it's legal now. We need to talk to our kids. I interviewed this one mother. She had a group of friends that they get together every Saturday. They have kids the same age, and they sit around and they binge drink all weekend. Right. And she she would like, and the kids, you know, she's got a younger daughter that started when she was 18 months old, started drinking, stealing people's drinks and drinking it mm -hmm. and getting drunk. And they thought it was funny. Right. And she said, I wish that we weren't drinking and we were smoking cannabis, but I don't know how to do that. And I said, well, look at, you know, alcohol is so much easier for a small child to accidentally consume, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and Think of that party scenario. They're getting drunk. They're going to pay less attention to their children. Right. Smoking cannabis, you're going to be laser focused on your kids. Right. You know, and and it's it's harder for them to sneak a hit off of a joint than it is for them to, <laughs> to grab your alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. God, I love this. My grandma's love. My grandmother loves plants. She has lots of them. When I come over to her house. We like to work together in her garden. She says that she has two green thumbs. They look normal to me. It's really cute. So, so the book. Uh, go ahead and talk a little bit more about the so, book. So, so it's really light. Um, it's uh, beautifully illustrated. I hired yes. um, an amazing artist, and it's it's just a conversation starter. It isn't preachy. It you know it's meant for a, a very mainstream international audience. And uh, at the at the end of the book, uh, the family's having a barbecue, and the grownups are drinking wine, and the kids are playing games, and Grandma's downwind. Mm -hmm. 25 feet away from the kids, and she's smoking a joint. I don't say anything in the words about grandma doing that. And, and you, you can kind of miss it. Sure. Uh, looking at it, it's a very small piece of the illustration. Mm -hmm. But um, if the parent chooses to, to go there and talk about it, they, then they can. Or if the child is curious uh, and asks about it, then they can. You can go as uh, as deep or as light as you want. Mm -hmm. There she is. Yeah, there she is. Grandma's way over here in the corner by her greenhouse. It says there's a line here. It says Grandma has some, has some plants that are extra special to her. She keeps them locked in her greenhouse. She calls the she and she says it's called cannabis. She uses it to make medicine and relax. Yep. 
So it's just really just just putting out just enough information to desensitize, but destigmatize the idea of cannabis with children. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a page in there uh, where he's asking the grandson's asking uh, why are some things just for grownups, mm-hmm. and that's an opportunity for the grownup to talk about all kinds of grownup things. But right. but she, grandma takes him outside and they go on the sidewalk and they get the chalk and she draws the brain and she talks about all the wonderful amazing things that his brain does and and he decides that he wants his brain to be like a supercomputer when he grows up. Mm-hmm. So you know that it's just. Like I said, it's a conversation starter. So how is the book doing? How is it doing nationally? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, this I, I never meant to be an author, mm-hmm. and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, they told me at Book Baby that uh, I won't get a report from Amazon for until the beginning of December, my okay. first report. Mm-hmm. I know that they ordered 225 books, and they just reordered another 25, so I'm thinking maybe... It's moving. Maybe. I don't know. A lot of people have told me that I'm a little early on this, that people aren't really ready for this, but... I think there may be more people ready than you think, considering the fact that we have 34 states in the District of Columbia that have some sort of cannabis law right now. So there's a lot of people who are interested in this topic. Yeah, but they're, you know, the thing is, we're not talking to our kids. And, and if We're we, not talking to each other. We're not talking right, to right. anybody, but... but you know, if we think that we're hiding our cannabis cannabis use from our children, they know. Absolutely. All they know is that you're hiding it. Right. Why are you you're hiding hi- it? You're hiding something. Yeah, you're yeah, hiding absolutely. it. Yes. So what yeah. are you teaching them? Right. How to be dishonest, mm-hmm. how to hide things from you. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. And so now what are you what are you what are you hoping will happen again since I'm saying how's it doing and we don't know yet but what are you what are you hoping is going to happen? Well, my dream always has been uh for the last 15 or so years is to get people to grow a cannabis plant. Because I believe that once you grow a cannabis plant that you will love cannabis even more because it's just such a miraculous plant. Mm-hmm. And uh you might also get interested in just gardening in general, Mm -hmm. you know, but for sure, I feel like people will love cannabis more once they grow it. And, uh, yes, it is a weed, but it's awfully hard to grow the super danky dank. Right. (laughs) So I, I think that, you know, it's time consuming and you've got to watch it. And I think that people will ultimately just care more about who's growing their cannabis for them, Mm -hmm. respect their farmers a little bit more. So my goal is to get everybody growing cannabis at least one time in their lives. And, I, and hopefully this book will inspire that. And from an advocacy standpoint, now you have the conferences coming up and then your second event is doing Coachella, right? Correct. And that event is primarily for the bands, but yeah. is there a public option in that one also? No, it's just, it's just uh, scheduled appointments for the bands. Yeah. They come over one at a time. And it's an opportunity for me to really one-on-one give them some, some great education, you know, whatever their interest is in sure. cannabis and, and hopefully get them talking to their, their fan base. And at the local municipality level, what are you doing? What do you, what do you have in mind from an advocacy standpoint? Um, well, the conference is really, you know, geared towards getting all of the locals mm-hmm. together and and rubbing elbows the thing is they the local the elected officials are motivated because 
they think the cannabis industry, everybody's wealthy mm-hmm. and they're going to have all these great donors. Sure. So that, that gets them out. But, uh, but if they want to get more information, where do they go to? What website can they go up to? Care.com? Yeah. Just say care.org. Just say care.org. Yes. Okay. And that's my um, Instagram handle too. That's your Instagram handle. And okay. Facebook. All right. And if they want to try to get the book right now, they go up on what website? Amazon. Up on Amazon. Yep. And Amazon has it right now. It's, it's called What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, written by Susan Source. Yes. Right? Yep. So you can go up and get a copy of that. And this is a really good opportunity as a conversation starter with your children. Um, and probably children, you know, seven or eight or older, right? That's what you're geared towards. Um, well, my, my grandson is five. Mm-hmm. And um, my other grandson, I've got five grandkids, mm-hmm. and they're all under the age of eight. So, you know, I, I read it to them. Got it. So got it. it's it's as, like I said, it's as light or as heavy as you want it to be. It's beautifully illustrated. So, yes. you know, the pictures are fun to look at with even the little ones. There you go. I'm hoping that people <laughs> will go out and grab a copy of What's Growing in Grandma's Garden. Thank you. And also go up on... Just say care.org. Susan, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you guys also for tuning in to another edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Michigan, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.